this life I cannot change In the hills, deep off in the main Eminem, we like candy cane Drop the top all right, we're back once again, folks, live in Greenwood. Bonjour, shalom, and what's up? And welcome back to episode 79 of How You Living. That's right, pre-80. I'm going to trust you on this one. I feel like that's what it is. 79 in the books, the only show recorded live in the Million Dollar Studios atop the Chaz Tower. How you doing today, Chaz? Uh, you know, I'm doing all right. Can't complain, even though my voice is a little scratchy. You might hear uh-huhs throughout this whole thing, <laughs> so just be prepared for it anyway. Some some shows <coughs> have ha-ha-has, we have ha-ha's, <laughs> so uh, stay tuned, guys. Let me clear my throat. God, who is that? Is that DJ Cool? Oh, man, I forget. Oh, I forget, too. Yeah, that's a classic, though. Uh, but welcome, everybody. Uh, here at the show, we have a series of segments we like to do. The oldest and original segment is a little bit that we look back on the episodes we've seen and done and uh, bring up any of the topics that have stuck around in a segment we call callbacks. Callbacks. Yep, <clears throat> that's how it's going to go today. Uh, so we're here, uh, calling back, looking back, uh, Chaz, uh, what have you been thinking about lately that goes over one of our subjects of a previous show? Uh, I don't know. I've been trying to think of, I guess like, cause did we ever briefly talk about Dave Chappelle's old special? Cause he has a new yeah. special and it's, it's Dave Chappelle at his finest. Yeah. And it's interesting. It's, it's definitely got, uh, mixed reviews with the public. A lot of people think he's... Uh, you know, throwing stones at certain organizations and people and events that maybe you're not supposed to be uh, talking about. Uh, the show's called Sticks and Stones. It's on Netflix. I watched it. I mean, I'm a comedian, so obviously I, I know part of that world and part of that kind of dance where you want to be a critical thinker who also looks at topics that not everyone's doing, and you also want to look at topics in a way that has nuance and like can share a piece of it or like expose something that you're not thinking about on that issue. And so because of that, uh, certain comedians, I'm included, uh, we kind of play a dance with some of the material that some people would consider offensive. Uh-huh. And, and that's kind of a difficult dance to do, but... Um, you know, people have said that comedians are the ones telling truth to power ahead of the curve uh, because we make the joke out of it and then everyone sees it in kind of a new light. And then all of a sudden uh, some of those feelings kind of come out that people feel the same way. You know, in this particular genre, it's more of it's kind of more on the Anthony Jeselnik train of like. I don't know who that is. He's a comedian who had a several specials on Comedy Central. Uh, he actually, I think, participated in the Trump roast. Oh, okay. I think he was in the Comedy Central Trump roast. But he, um, he's known for, he had the show called The Jesselnik Offensive. And so he's known for, for pushing the kind of boundary of uh, what people are willing to listen and hear about. Uh, whether it be tragedy or um, political issues, he'll he'll kind of cross the line in opinions of a lot of people. But he does it in a very smart way, and he does it deliberately. And he does it for the education of your mind to kind of see these things that way and also find some funny in the darker side of things. But um, it's not actually who he is as a person. He's not like a mean guy. He's actually a really nice guy from people that I know that know him personally. 
And I think you have a similar thing with Dave Chappelle in this particular special, where he had some real kind of dicey material he needed to get off and to be able to perform it in front of a 2019 audience um, and include some jokes that stepped into the LGBTQ community and kind of, you know, working material that not everyone thinks you should be able to say. Uh, What did you think of the special? Um, I kind of wanted to approach it from, I know, kind of like a callback when it's a callback, because I've talked about, um, what is it, the mm, media literacy? And kind of when I looked at it, because I watched it too, and I thought parts were funny, but like I can definitely say I laugh sometimes because his physical comedy was funny. Sometimes I laugh because I was like, I can't believe he actually said that. And other times I laugh because I generally like either like the way he said it or like, like the juicy small yay thing oh, had yeah. me crying. I was like, that is not his name. That is not his name at all, even though that's what it looks like. That was just like when, uh, what is it? Um, Bill O'Reilly called uh, Stephen Colbert, Stephen Colbert, right? But right. done in like a more Dave Chappelle style. And some of the critiques that I've heard definitely, like the trans joke is definitely where people want him canceled because like, he's... He already did a transphobic joke before, and then he kind of doubled down on it. But not only did he double down on it, he doubled down on it with an old trope that kind of like is sort of in the same vein as bestiality and gaiety, right? So it's like, yeah, I mean, I get where the joke was coming from, and that was one of the ones where his physical comedy was like, okay, that's that is absurd, but I can see why that's funny. But also, like, kind of like the same critique I had of Joe Rogan's comedy special on Netflix. Sometimes the setup of the premise is wrong, and I get that it can be funny, but that kind of puts the wrong framework on things, and I think that's critiquable. Yeah. Um, the, and, and, I mean, what I've seen in, like, because, I mean, I only have one opinion, and, like, it, I'm not in the groups that are possibly being offended, so I don't really have kind of the right to say what what their opinion of it might be. Mm-hmm. And it would be easy for me to say that he didn't really touch on anything that would be something that would be a direct to something I cared about, you know, mm-hmm. personally, or like identified me personally. So in that sense, it's like, of course, it didn't offend me as a special. But um, that joke, I've, I've only been reading on like two sides. One, there's like the people who say it was really, really terrible. And then I see this other side of people who are like in those communities who say people are mad at him for saying it because he's not in our community, but that those are tropes and jokes and things that we kind of shared and said. And like there's attitudes that it's not a unified movement. It does have some. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's not the joke I'm talking about. Okay. I'm talking about the one about transgenders are a weird experience. What would it be like if I was a black man and I thought I was Asian joke? Right? Uh-oh. Not the joke about them being in the cars. Not the car one. No. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I guess I don't... Well, that one I guess I don't remember as specifically because that wasn't what these like kind of other articles were referencing. Yeah. The, the, one, the one in the car joke, I was like... Like, I was laughing because I was uncomfortable. And then I've seen on other friends' Facebook posts that, yeah, like, you know. And, and I think I saw this one show that I was watching. Um, I think it's, it was a show on Fox where they were, like, wrongfully accused people, um, sometimes on death row. And this one woman who was wrongfully accused became a lawyer to help them out. 
And on one of those episodes, um, it kind of went over like Stonewall and kind of how like back in those days, um, the gay community thought that the trans community were holding him back in some way. So when that came up in the special and he said that, he's all like, yeah, and this person thinks like you're making it take longer for the rest of us, right? I was like, oh, I've seen that other places. So like that seems like a poignant critique in a sense. So I feel like his comedy special was a mixed bag of kind of like problematic things that frames the struggle incoherently and incorrectly. And other times he did make cogent critiques of certain aspects of society. So Okay. Well, I mean... Uh, it's interesting. It got at one point it had a critical uh, Rotten Tomatoes of zero percent. They only had four critics review it, and, <laughs> and they all trashed it. And then immediately following that, it got a ninety-nine percent audience review. Yeah, no, that that seems about right. The critics are there to be critical, and the and the audience is like, "But did I laugh?" <laughs> and then like, so right. Well, I mean, that doesn't happen to every comedy special, so it was kind of interesting. It's, yeah, you know, uh, I think if they'd had forty critics review it you wouldn't have had those few weeks where it sat there at four zero percent or whatever but it's it's all relative i mean uh, the thing is netflix allowed it it got put on the air it's out there you can't actually cancel Chappelle, really especially, I mean, especially yeah. over this particular like I, it's it's saying something and it sounds because it's like he's gonna make another special it, it, i you watched it i watched it like uh, if a hundred million people watched it you know, they'll pay him to do it again. Oh, yeah, no. But I don't think the point of canceling is um, totally a money-based thing. Uh, But I kind of, let me double back because, like, the whole thing I wanted to view it as is, like, you know, all media is created with a purpose and a particular point of view. And I do, to some degree, feel like he created this special from butthurt. But and but I'm not sure if I should say that or not, because a lot of it because he started it off saying like, you know who that sounds like? Y'all. Right. I can't tell jokes around y'all anymore because blah, 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 blah. Right. And there is like I have a mixed bag about cancel culture. Like it's been brought to my attention that cancel culture usually affects people of color more so than it affects other people. Like, uh, say, like, Scarlett Johansson has some problematic shit going on, you know, taking roles from people, saying they work with Woody Allen and all that stuff, right? But yeah. they didn't get canceled, right? So, you know, you can't, like, canceling is like a certain heat-seeking missile that, you know, uh, attacks certain people in a specific way. And that's why, like, when I look at art, I say, like, art can be critiqued, right? And I do think internet moms don't, not moms, mobs don't critique things. Or internet moms. <laughs> a little bit of a Freudian slip. Oh, Lord. Don't trust either of those groups. <laughs> Sorry, moms. But, no, like, so they don't do, like, you know, nuanced critiques and everything. And I know on this show, when I'm creating this art, when I'm creating this, you can even call it propaganda, too, because <laughs> I am trying to put together a point. No, no, no. Like, yeah, uh, whatever you want to call it. Because propaganda is a neutral thing. Like, I know we yeah. I- interpret it as <clears throat> bad, but it, we usually interpret it as bad when the thing that propaganda is trying to put forth is pernicious. So it's and, like lobbyists. Right, yeah. Like, everyone is all like, that's why I think when I get back on Tinder, it's going to open up to a welcome to the propaganda for my penis because <laughs> that's what it is. Anyway. <laughs> Where did our roles reverse where you're saying the wild shit? And I'm just like, what did he just say? Oh, my God. Go. 79. That's where we cracked <laughs> Chaz, guys. Oh, man. But, yeah, but then when I look at it and I see, like, the message and purpose that uh, 
Um, Dave Chappelle created that special for it was to be offensive. It was to be blatantly offensive. He was all like, all this shit you say I can't say, oh, it's on the table, motherfucker. It is on the table, right? And I guess the other thing is that I don't necessarily know if he handled... um, like, it, I think there's the special, which is its own thing. Then there's the epilogue. And I think the epilogue probably, like, had a problematic framing of this woman was upset with him for making a rape joke. And he kind of, like, because he was on stage and making a joke out of it and she ran out, he kind of, like, just callously dismissed it. Um, and then he transitioned that into, like, um, the trans woman who saw his jokes and was laughing um, and then came up to him afterwards and said, hey, I really like the fact that you make jokes about our community. And they say, like, yeah, um, they get on your case about making jokes about R. Kelly, so it normalizes R. Kelly. But then uh, what about you making trans uh, jokes about trans individuals? Uh, wouldn't that normalize transness? And I was like, that that's a cogent it's a cogent idea there. Yeah, and All the, right. and the blog was interesting, you know. And it's interesting to know who that audience was. Mm-hmm. That's upper class New York citizens. Yeah, you know. So that's in, that's an interesting voting block. That's some of those people are Trump voters, Long <laughs> Island Queens. True. You know. So, yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, my point is, you know, go go watch it for yourself. Come up with your own opinions. Um, you know, obviously. You know, cancel if you want to cancel. Uh, I I agree that you know you should you should value where not only you're putting your money but you're putting your effort of like you know investing your time into. You should put it into things that you actually care about or honestly believe in. Although there is there is an element of you know listening to things that can upset you can somehow help alter your perspective. You oh know? yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I think you should at least analyze things from both sides, it, right? Um, but yeah, it doesn't it, need to... And Chappelle comes from a long line of, of, of not just like mentioning Anthony Jeselnik, but like, you know, Carlin back in the day with his... And it's, it's a different framework. I'm not comparing the LGBTQ joke structure of Carlin, of uh, Chappelle to what Carlin was doing with, with the element of saying things that was clearly offensive to a large groups of the population mm-hmm. with his uh, the seven words you can't say on television and he oh, just yeah. immediately says them mm-hmm. um, he, he's also yeah he's doing a, a, a narrative about um, you know at the time the censorship struggle you know and I think cancel culture and the censorship struggle do in a Venn diagram esque share some capacities. I don't think they're the same, and I think they have different goals. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are certain capacity. I think as a comedian as Chappelle is, his love of like Carlin, there's this piece of him that knows that like somewhere in that offensive material is the gold that moves language forward, moves appreciation forward, and it moves kind of where we're at. I mean, if you look at Carlin, he can't say those things on television, and then 15 years later, white kids are buying rap CDs where every other word is every word he just said. Yeah, it was... Oh, oh, keep going, sorry. So so the progression of that, you know, um, is interesting, and you almost wonder if, kind of like I was saying earlier, being the truth to power, kind of the first to say the things, if Carlin kind of is the reason why you know, FX after nine o'clock can say shit, you know? Yeah. It was very funny. Um, I was, I went to a wedding a week ago and I was in the car driving to the ferry and I didn't realize there was a, um, an edited version of good as hell. 
but I didn't realize that hell, because like I'm a child of the '90s. Uh, that's where I had my you know affordable years. So like I think back then, damn was even hard to say. Damn hell, you couldn't say like you can only say shit on HBO. That's why HBO became the shit, right? Because right. saying shit and fuck like like we're saying it right now. Oh my mm-hmm. god, whoa, right? Yeah. But uh, so when I forget what it was, but they edited out something. I think that was either like fuck or yeah, we're thinking it was fucking good as hell. Uh, but then they left hell, and I was like, wait, hell isn't editable? All right, like, you don't need to edit that anymore? And I was like, what, what is, oh, my God, I don't understand the world anymore. <laughs> like, right. So it was, it was definitely an eye-opening thing. And I also went to a party where people were, um, like, it was this one song that I forget the artist, but they're like, yeah, but you have to play the edited version. I was like, there's an edited version of this song? <laughs> So I like, and it's interesting because I grew up with a lot of the edited versions uh, of, of songs. Like one uh, you might remember from back in the day was all skeet skeet skeet, like that one, yeah. right? Like the unedited version is all skeet skeet, motherfucker, all skeet skeet, goddamn. But the edited version is just all skeet 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 skeet, all skeet skeet skeet, a goddamn, yeah. right? And and a skeet skeet is problematic in itself, but if you don't know what it means, it means nothing to you. It's just some sound. But it eventually <laughs> they edited that. <laughs> the, but yeah, once Skeet became like everyone knew what Skeet was, because my friend was laughing so hard when the edited one would come on the radio. He was like, they're just saying jizz, 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 jizz. Like, what the fuck? How does the radio let them get away with saying that? And, uh, Getting crap past the radar. And, and I think now it's like, all these, uh, all these, right. No, like, it's just like, they just cut all of those words out. Wow. And you just hear, you hear him, but then you hear him say, but God damn, he can say that right. still. <laughs> he can say that still. Oh, shit. Uh, but God damn. Wow. Well, the world is crazy and the specials are out there and, uh, you know, someone else, you know, someone else will come out with another narrative that kind of moves it. There's other comedians that have, um, very progressive, uh, specials out there that are, are 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 getting you know notoriety and coming on the the main programs of like Amazon and Netflix and Hulu so uh you know go out and promote a comedian that has some values that you share if if you're offended by Dave Chappelle and stuff and and hopefully that helps push some of the narrative in a direction that you're comfortable with you know it's kind of the angle of comedy ultimately is to 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 be a voice for everybody and every kind of angle we can do it in uh that being said that was a a pretty intricate long version of our first segment uh callbacks yeah uh so we're officially in the episode 79 and uh we've got all kinds of things i feel like we've been uh pressuring you to uh to get your your uh update on a on a person in time for the democratic debates uh a little late in the show so what do you think if we go into your deep dive and see if that kind of spurns us into greater talk of politics um well i was gonna say we could go over a review of like what's happened in the election since the last time we um all right gotten together because a bunch of people are not running anymore like hickenlooper and our man jay Inslee, and also Kristen gillibrand which we said last week we were gonna do uh, but I was like, then midstream, it's like, well, I'm out of the race. And then I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but then there's, so we switched it to the Amy, Amy Kobuchar because I'm trying to uh, do woman, man, woman, man, each one, just to like, you know, make sure we have the space for that there. 
but yeah, so I think uh, there are some instances, because I got an email from John at Hickenlooper that he's running for Senate now. And I think that was one of the criticisms of the wide field. It's all like, well, I mean, run for Senate. Like, we need you in the Senate more than we need you as president. Right. Right. Because it's like right. a gestalt, like, you know, legislative body, not just the presidency. Um, although the presidency is a pillar of that, that's necessary. But um, right. I will give it to the process. It's been moving a little quicker lately than I've seen. I think we might get down to four or five candidates in the next month or two, which I like. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, uh, to give you kind of the run, number rundown as I was aware of it through uh, the Washington Post poll, it's uh, Sanders and Warren are hovering around like, between 15 and 17 percent. You still got Biden in the lead, but now he's holding at like 1920. And, uh, and then, uh, Kamala got hers cut in half. Yeah. She had that nice spike because she had that zinger, but then like people are like, caught Kamala Harris. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, so she's down to around seven and then you've got, um, what is it? All the, like, uh, Yang and booty egg and all them kind of in the two to 5%. Um, but yeah, so, uh, basically Bernie and Elizabeth Warren are pretty head and neck and neck. And so Elizabeth's been making some real strides on Biden as far as the polls. Um, so, uh, you know, and then as you're saying, all these people are dropping out or they're getting into other races. Uh, it's, you know, it's happening a little quicker than I expected. So that's, that's good. I, I don't think we need to drag this on too far, I think we need to kind of figure out what boat we're going to get in and then really kind of steer that boat in the right direction because, you know, we've got a big fucking orange monster to go up against mm-hmm. who says some wild-ass shit, you know, and... Oh, yeah, and there is a person who said that he's primarying uh, Trump as well, too. Yeah, uh, who well, who is that? He ran... Joe Webb? I think so. And, I mean, there there's a bunch of people who say, like, yeah. Joe Walsh is one of them. There was someone else that I saw that said they were primarying him. Um, I don't know. Like, I think the GOP has a national committee, and they're the ones who can say whether or not they're going to have, like, debates or something for it. So I think there's a very bureaucratic way they can stop that. But, like, right now, kind of, like, going to the big ones. Actually, let me see um, who is registered for the next debate, because I think uh, some people are being left out. Well, it's 10. I know that it's 10. So... It's the ABC uh, debate, and um, we know so we know it's Biden, we know it's Elizabeth Warren, we know it's uh, Sanders, and then I'm gonna say, oh, and Amy Klobuchar's there, so then it's probably Budiak, Yang, and then we've got th- a few more. All right, what's the... Let's see. So right now we have um, Biden met both criteria, Buttigieg met both criteria, Harris did, Sanders, Warren, Booker, O'Rourke, Yang, Castro, Klobuchar, Steyer, um, and right now, according to this Wikipedia post, uh, Gabbard and Williamson are pending, but I don't know where... um, like met the date where they need to yet, so they might not be there on the stage. Well, and and, and Gabbard didn't she drop out? 
Uh, no, I think she's still in it. She's still in it? Okay. I haven't heard anything about that, but, you know, it might have come up in a news feed and I missed it. So of, as of now, like the 8th of September, yeah. uh, <clears throat> and she's in the race in my mind. Uh, but looking at it, like, of course, we have the front runners of um, Sanders, Warren, and Biden. And it's kind of seeing, like, who's going to jockey for that spot. Um, also, but I feel like uh, Buttigieg, Harris... Um, Booker, O'Rourke, Yang, Castro, and Klobuchar all need to do something in order to make themselves stand out. Yeah. Or else, like, honestly, I think O'Rourke hasn't really done jack shit to stand out. And honestly, he's probably one of those individuals that probably should run for senator again. Okay. Because uh, he almost beat uh, Ted Cruz when he did. Right. And he's using that because, like, if you look at uh, the reason why he's in this debate is because he has enough um, supporters from Texas that they can just support him being in that state. Well, he still needs it from, like, four other places, I think, for this one. Yeah. Uh, but then, like, Booker, Booker has been, like, a little milk toast, like, a little lukewarm. Like, he hasn't really, like, he, he's, I feel, like, I feel like he's been on the coattails of everyone else's thing. I don't know what his big flagship, um, platform is i don't really know like he just seems like he's just there right and, right. and he's right. already a senator and we kind of like it'd be cool if he stayed senator i mean so. i'm sure it's you know gun control minority issues and immigration yeah are kind of keys that he kind of yeah leans on uh let me see who else yang see uh, i'm not a big fan of yang anyway i think yang should be someone that primaries trump because I feel like he, like, while he, on the surface, feels really progressive, um, the fact that he wants to do uh, UBI with a VAT tax and also doesn't really consider kind of the quote-unquote entitlement programs and how they would help individuals. Like, for instance, uh, I think a great critique of the UBI is, like, you're giving people straight cash and landlords can take that. But food stamps, landlords can't take that. So why would someone have to give up their food stamps in order to... Uh, get their free money and like that sort of uh, thought process is something that kowtows to individuals who would say something like those are entitlement programs and in order to balance the budget we need to get rid of entitlement programs that's why like constantly i'm like andrew yang needs to primary trump because even though he seems like he's democratic in some of his progressive things i think he uh, really appeals to some more libertarian values and some more conservative values when you really dive into the media of his proposals right right <clears throat> yeah and so that uh, that's going to be on thursday uh here in september uh so that's going to be on abc and uh, we'll kind of see what happens there it's going to be one of the top two kind of next debates that are really going to shake up this field uh whether it shakes people out or surprisingly shakes some people up uh if somebody really gets the right talking points and somehow challenges some of the leaders in the in the debates to a, to be seen as though they're kind of equivalent they might be able to come up a little bit uh we'll see uh, i definitely would support in uh colorado um hickenlooper as far as running for senate uh that's pretty cool for him and hopefully he can uh get that kind of train moving um he obviously uh i i went there once to support uh the great american beer festival as a as a, i worked for a brewery and then i also was doing a beer podcast and uh, Hickenlooper was the guest speaker, and he he's really intelligent. He actually supported craft beer. He he ran a uh, a brewery for a while. Um, he's an interesting guy, and you know to be uh, progressive leaning and a Democrat in a, a relatively purple to red state, 
Uh, he's kind of one of these allies we're going to need in the future, moving towards kind of getting uh, Trump's America on board with some of our progressive ideas. You know, we got to see it done in some of these more red states. Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, I think um, I've mentioned this before, but it seems like the idea of like if a Democrat or someone on the left presents a progressive idea, it's like knocked down. Uh, but there are places like Medicare reform that has passed in red states. Uh, so sometimes I do think there could be a backdoor of finding a progressive conservative, even though that's kind of oxymoronic. But maybe that's the field they need to play in because of gerrymandering and all that. So, you know, uh, yeah. So mm, with that, sure. you want to you want to transition to Miss Klobuchar and her uh Deep dive, as it were. Uh, sure, sure. Why not? So, Miss Amy Klobuchar, who is a, a senator from Minnesota, and when it comes to her, because I, I've been listening to a few things that she's been on, and she's one, she, she's kind of in the same realm as Pete Buttigieg, as she's like, I'm a politician from the Heartland, and the Heartland is the place where we lost a lot of voters in 2016, and then she talks about how like we built that momentum back up in 2018. So I feel like her political platform, her strategy is to say, look at all the things that uh, Trump promised that he would do for you, and look how many of these things that he's actually given you, which is like none of them. Right. Uh, so like one of her big things is infrastructure. And I've heard some people dabble in infrastructure, but um, I definitely know that she wants like climate change and stuff. But she wants to make sure that uh, when you're doing climate change process. Uh, projects that it builds itself into the infrastructure of america in these places like what jobs will they need you know so uh, kind of a green new deal but with like subtler terms yeah she's definitely like she would call herself a progressive but because she's the type of person that looks across the aisle she is probably the type of individual that would make moderate uh concessions uh, and then kind of I think would push her into that like that sort of moderate category, which like people who think we need, you know, bold, progressive, you know, forceful, like very broad dynamic change will be like lukewarm to her. And I think that's completely understandable. But people who think that, you no, know, we're going too far to the left with some of these things, like so many social programs, so many uh, just like, oh, we got to look at, you know, how fossil fuels and stuff still fits in the thing i think they might you know gravitate towards her right but i also feel like at the same time beat Buttigieg, Buttigieg does that and also joe biden does that so it's kind of like it's out there yeah i kind of she kind of would have to figure out where she can position herself to be the person that's better suited for it right and you could say like she's been a senator and kind of like when we talked about tulsi gabbard she's another one that will work with people and do uh plans and such i think uh she worked on um, if you could look it up really quick, uh, she worked on an anti-harassment bill um, in the Congress, and it passed the House. And I forget who she worked on it with, but she worked on it with a Republican senator. So that was one of the victories yeah, that she touted. Blunt, blunt, yeah, bipartisan sexual harassment bill. Yeah, and she also has a bill that's on um, uh, Senator Mitch McConnell's desk. That's part of uh, a. Uh, bill for gun control in order to kind of reduce its effect on domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also called breaking the, the boyfriend loop, which was some type of gun ownership loophole that was uh, leading to some degree of, of domestic violence cases with gun violence in it. And, oh, then, yeah. and then there's the secondary one she has that's um, mandatory um, 
uh, what do you call it, background checks, even just the minimal ones we have mm-hmm. for private purchases, because that's something that doesn't happen. It's often been called the gun show uh, loophole. And uh, I do have like a 10 second clip from Meet the Press. Oh, go for it. Where she, it's, uh, she, there's the interview we could listen to a little bit of, but then there's the actual clip they play of her live that kind of gives, similar to what we're saying, her context in the race as of now. For the New Hampshire Democratic Party State Convention this weekend, amid growing signs that the field is narrowing to three Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, and Bernie Sanders. One of the lower tier candidates, Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota, made her case against both President Trump and some of her Democratic opponents. I do believe I may be more moderate in tone uh, than some of the people running for office, but I am betting that people don't want the loudest voice anymore. They've had that right now. That's the guy in the White House. Uh, That they want someone who's going to be honest with them and tell them that, no, we're not going to erase rich kids' college debt. We're not going to do that, even though some of my opponents um, have put that forward um, as their proposal. So, yeah, uh, she's going to be... Uh, you know, like you're saying, in the middle, not quite uh, as far left as some... I think she actually says that right here. Joining me now? No, that's... Okay. Yeah, so she's not going to be as far left as uh, Warren and Sanders, essentially what she's saying. Um, And, you know, she mentions at one point that she's one of two Midwest candidates in this race. So that's her and Buttigieg. Yep. And then... uh, Am I I still just saying it? I think I say it different each time, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's it's a... Buttigieg. Buttigieg. The chidge part is hard. Buttigieg? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think I say that sometimes. Anyway, (laughs) he has a difficult name to say. I mean, that's just something we're going to have to live with. And he's also said publicly that he understands that people say it incorrectly. And I I tried to learn it for hosting quiz. Um, But there's also, like, and I I tried to learn it by hoping other people in the media space would do it. But even they're they're like, Mm -hmm. and Buttigieg. So, like, we got to catch, like, a local news, like, uh, around the country having uh, to say Buttigieg. Because that's got to be some funny things. Because you could probably do a super cut of that. Yeah. We got to send that to, like, last week tonight. So that ends up on there. Exactly. And now this. Mr. Buttigieg. Anyway, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, they're too bad. Which is kind of a you know, it's a it's it's a little bit of a slap at Biden because Pennsylvania, not officially Midwest, it's kind of got that. I mean, you, you could you could say like Middle Pennsylvania has that in a certain degree. Yeah, and it kind of feels in a certain sense that way. But like the metropolitan areas, yeah. Uh, I mean, there there are a lot of similarities to like the big metropolitan areas on the coast, like Philadelphia, New York, Boston, to kind of the small. Smaller mid-side series, uh, cities like Indianapolis, Chicago. Well, Chicago's Pittsburgh. a big one, sorry. But yeah, Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, Cleveland, Cincinnati, places like that. So, But yeah. not so much Scranton, which is Biden's hailing. So oh, she's kind of slapping Scranton in the face a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Endless paper for a paperless world. <laughs> uh, Endless Biden for a Bidenless world. But I just wanted to take a quick look at uh what she would do in her first 100 days as a president kind of like you know bullet point it uh of course which almost everyone has been saying and i agree with it 110 percent but also no it's going to ruffle some feathers because of people who make their livelihoods from fossil fuels is uh get the united states back in the international climate agreement on day one 
Um, this next one, which I also think is very important, and I think a lot of people are trying to work towards, um, and this is immediately suspend the Trump administration's effort to eliminate the Affordable Care Act protections for people with pre-existing conditions. Because that was one of the big things. One of like, even though you know that uh, Obamacare is supposed to be a public option, but you know became this weird quasi, you know, exchange thing. With the silver and gold and bronze options. Right. And some states only had two, and like, uh-huh. yeah. So, but like, and but she's also been one of the people when it comes to Medicare for all, uh, kind of like the Pete Buttigieg's or the Joe Biden's, uh, where she wants a public option, um, before like you know just straight up like have the government pay for all of it, uh, sort of thing. Uh, so she's there with that. Uh, rebuild our relationship with our allies and restores America's standing in the world. Uh, <laughs> That sounds like a direct sale to Midwest Trump voters. <laughs> we got to make the Midwest reasonably good again. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess like that that paints to like cuz his foreign policy has been weird like it feels like Trump does a lot of things just to spite Obama, not knowing what good it was supposed to do, and now it's creating problems. Specifically, um, Iran always comes up with the nuclear deal um, and how that was supposed to stop them from doing nuclear prol- proliferation for the use of weapons. We had we actually had travel visas increase. Like For a minute there, there was a chance of normalized relationships with Iran. My mm. mind was blown. And then he went ahead and just did, that's gone. Right. I mean, the likelihood now is maybe not a war. Yeah, exactly. So definitely she said she would go in and do that and try to get back into that. Um, here's an interesting one. Immediately allow for the safe importation of prescription drugs from countries like Canada. Because, of course, like, if you don't have insurance, um, usually with insurance you only have to pay, like, usually a small copay if it's good insurance. But... You know, people's insulin costs 400 and something dollars, when other places cost $10. Right. Right. And that's because, you know, they have a, a public option, socialized health care, and they actually negotiate with the drug companies to minifi- minimize their need to profit off of their drugs, where in America, profit is everything, right? So it's, they can... Yeah. It's, it's, you wouldn't even say it's actually the bottom line. It is the line. Yeah, exactly. In capitalism, it comes down to that. And that's going to be the socialization of this whole democracy, and it's not going to become socialism. We're taking social capitalism, essentially. We're oh, yeah. we're working in the framework of capitalism, and we're adding human interest to it. Because when you just go to the dollar, you cancel out a lot of people, you know, and you end up oh, yeah. pushing people into spheres of poverty and spheres of discrimination and all these things. Uh, and ultimately, you know, profit these smaller spheres of um, already risen tides, you know, and they, you know, and this is this is going back generations. I mean, the original Roosevelt Teddy had to deal with robber barons, yeah, and and was in this antitrust movement, mm-hmm. uh, and the trusts were, you know, huge owners of of land and of uh, industry and very specific commodities that were important for daily life salt sugar oh yeah um clean water all that kind of thing so uh, looking at our future you know and we keep hearing these same conservative arguments about the free market and about money 
when do we finally shut them up with the fact that that hasn't proven itself? We've given it that shot. That's what the chance we've been doing the whole time. Yeah, I mean, and it's a, a big question of why should everything cost money? And there's a lot of, like, assertions that just, like, meander underneath everything. Like, you know, you ain't shit if you don't have a job. Even though you could be on disability, you could just, you know, have other problems that aren't normalized by society. So people put you on the margins and they don't understand how that affects your ability to work. Uh, so it, it's, there's a lot of things built into it and I'm trying to get better and more and more about critiquing those things because I'm learning about more and more of them each day. Um, but uh, I guess one other thing that I will mention from Amy Klobuchar's thing is that she wants to revive uh, aggressive protection of voting rights. And I think when she was on Pod Save America, she was talking about how there are about 14 different states that don't have uh, like backup paper ballots or something like that. And she also talked about how um, Russia really did attack our elections. Right. And she used the analogy saying like, no, she didn't. They didn't do it with tanks. Uh, but they actually tried to hack into um, different voting precincts. Um, they actually got into two counties in Florida, and we know how much Florida swings elections. Yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. that's a big one. Uh, and so I agree with her that, like, I think right now, uh, one of the reasons why we are woefully ill-equipped to deal with um, elections in a way that allows for everyone's voice actually to be heard is things like, you know, life gets in the way of it. Like, we're privileged as fuck here in Washington where everything's a paper ballot. So, and we get the paper ballot like a week or two weeks before we actually have to vote. So you can like sit down, talk about it, do your research, become an informed and vote a voter before you actually vote. And you can, as long as you have the ability to put it in a mailbox, then your vote's going to get counted. And I think that should happen in other places. And I would hope to see legislation in the next uh, Democratic uh, administration that would do something like that, along with other comprehensive things like you don't need um, IDs to actually register to do voting, uh, that voting day actually be a holiday, right? And actually more employer practices that says, uh, hey, you should be able to get time off in order to vote. Uh, but also probably I think one of the last ones is like the voting infrastructure um, is left up to the states right now. So I do think they're do- like and the bill probably does all this. So I'm probably just talking to things that people who have read it or heard about it probably do but adding money to add more infrastructure to uh voting places if you need to go in polling like making sure they have everything they need from the most up-to-date voting machines uh to more locations open that allow people to vote um and just make sure like that barrier to entry because i think left up to the states of course the more progressive states are going to give you uh, a more open chance to vote and the less progressive states um seem to always use uh pernicious tactics in order to stop people from voting uh which is a big debate like you can't tell people like telling people that voting id laws are racist to go like but they're just trying to protect their identity there's like but there there's been no thing that shows that they need to do it in that way right and it's not like they have a photo of them there like like it's not like photo id oh is that you like every time i voted uh when i was in philadelphia they didn't have a voter id they just say is that your name yeah all right and i guess they have like your address and all that stuff but yeah so it's not foolproof yeah yeah and you know uh states have made headway on this and so there are examples that are in practice that are working um you know 
I mean, it's really funny. You know, right now it's it's serious because the Trump administration and the, the type of people that support him, like, blindly. Uh, I'm, if you voted for him because you thought that was going to shake up the government and it was, a, like, trolling on U.S. politics, uh, I hope you feel bad now because, uh, you know, he hasn't delivered even on the promises he created. But uh, it's like our country's almost heading to where the the solution is. Well, we just give our voting to Simon Cowell, and we just include it in American Idol. So, so it's like uh, when you're voting for the the next American Idol winner, also be sure to cast your ballot for American President uh, during the second half of the show, because then at least we'd get our participation up a bit, and uh, you know maybe we'd have our Madam President Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> All right. Yeah, she just get she did just get a new show, um, that yeah, where it's like a talk show, kind of the middle of the afternoon sort of thing. Same time as Ellen, same time as dating myself. Sally Raphael was on, or Ricky Lake was on, like things like that. So that should be interesting. Uh, but yeah, uh, with that, I've got a little interlude callback in regards to. Hard knocks because I was like, check out this show, and the show was great. Uh, you know, we'll see how the this year's Raiders do when they kick off tomorrow on Monday Night Football. But they're going to be doing it without star of the show and star wide receiver AB. He is not going to be Antonio Brown is not going to be with the Raiders this season. He was released on Saturday, and. In about a three-hour window of open opportunity, he then signed with the New England Patriots. Oh, lordy. To a one-year deal. After dealing with his cryogenically injured feet, not wanting to wear the helmet that the NFL was assigning him, and missing certain practices, and at one point getting into an argument face-to-face where he called his general manager a cracker, uh, <laughs> A.B., is no longer in California. He's moved on. So that's a little callback to Hard Knocks. Uh, they missed that episode, though, because the show's only five weeks long, and that happened this this sixth week now. Oh, damn. So it's not actually... There's no footage of that. What an interesting show that would have been. Uh, but today, for my little interlude, it's not Hard Knocks that I'm talking about. It's the American and worldwide institution we know and love. When your grandma's in town, she always wants to check it out. It's the museum. Oh, shit. Okay. Museums, man. I, I think, uh, you know, the idea of a museum it has evolved over time. Uh, you know, uh, obviously now we probably, with pop culture museums and comic book museums, you know, we've, we've moved into, mm-hmm. like, it's not your, your grandma's museum anymore. But they're still out there, the classics. First of all, obviously, the national museums in dc oh yeah so and they're always free all the smithsonian ones are free which is amazing and they have some crazy amazing uh artifacts there or or information or um displays um that you know transcend uh generationally uh eth- you know what types of people are portrayed or cultures that are portrayed uh, items and the types of items, you know, range from, you know, things that cultures were using a thousand years ago oh, yeah. that were collected at some point to, um, you know, cars of the 1950s or something. Uh, and then, you know, there's other museums in D.C. There's the Spy Museum, which is really cool. It's got oh, okay. a history of kind of the CIA 
and uh, and and things of that nature. The KGB and kind of agencies around the world. Uh, the what is what is it, the Mossad? Is the Israeli one? I uh, I can't recall off the top <clears throat> of my head. I think so. Uh, but yeah, so uh, they have kind of, and that one is for pay. You have to pay to go to that one. Uh, there is also a free tour of Lincoln's house, or the Lincoln house that he died in, which is across the street from the Ford Theater. Oh, okay. And you can also tour the Ford Theater. Uh, and so those are museums. And then here in Seattle, we've got some great museums. We've got the Seattle Art Museum, so you get that classic kind of art stuff. Usually they'll have some type of culturally inspired uh, presentation on top of kind of this, the live-in, uh, what do you call it, the shows that oh, are yeah. there all year and then they have um and then they have the uh the the kind of touring things around the country that arrive there uh we have uh the flight museum here oh i love that place in seattle which actually has whole aircrafts and it's on the grounds of the original uh boeing plant and manufacturing uh which includes this old red barn that was built in the early 1900s and was kind of the main manufacturing center for Boeing for for some time. Uh, and then, you know, in New York, you've got the the Met, Metropolitan Museum of Art, uh, Museum of Modern Art, MoMA. Uh, oh, here, also in Seattle, uh, we have the Experience Music Project, formerly. Now, right. it's M- Mopop, Mopop yeah. for the Museum of Pop Culture. Oh, yeah. Which still includes a lot of the uh, music-based items of the previous museum but now it's expanded it in kind of a comic-con-y way you know it's kind of all the things all things movies all things tv all things collectible yeah because i think the experience music project was combined with the sci-fi museum they were always next to each other and i think you could just get one pass for both of them so i think they kind of just like put it all together as it felt together anyway, so... Okay, well, that works, yeah. And all that uh, a testament to the great and late uh, Paul Allen. Oh, yeah. Uh, Patriarch of Seattle and the Northwest in general as owner of the Seattle Seahawks, who are playing the Bengals today, and the Portland Trailblazers down in Portland, who are not playing today. Uh-huh. Uh, what museums do you remember growing up? What did, what did Philadelphia have? Oh, Philadelphia is big on some museums. Hold on. Like, of course, there's the Philadelphia Art Museum where, you know, Rocky ran up the steps and all that. Oh, that's where that's the site? Uh-huh. Is the steps to the Philadelphia? Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, no. It's a big uh, landmark. Now I think they have a statue of him. So I think it used to be at the top, but now it's at the bottom. Uh, there's the Franklin Institute, because uh, I believe that uh, William Penn was really big on museums and learning. So I think somewhere in the city's charter, there was a place for museums. So kind of downtown and near kind of its own sort of like mall structure. There's a whole bunch of museums that you can go to. Uh, yeah. And then obviously there's several. Uh, there's this uh, Chicago has the Museum of Science and Industry. And uh, we have the Pacific Science Center, which is sort of a museum in a way, also kind of an activity center. Uh, and then we also, uh, I went to the Natural History Museum in Denver, Colorado, which is amazing. Oh, yeah. It's got all the full dinosaur structures. What else you guys got in Philly there? Um, we have the, what is it, Rodin Museum, which is a bunch of uh, medical stuff. Or, no, no. There is one that has medical stuff, and I think it's that one, but I could be getting it wrong, where it shows you uh, all sorts of, um, oh, let me see. Oh, no, no, this is sculpture stuff. Uh, But I have to remember the name of it. I'm looking through a list on Google right now. But there's also one, like, for little kids called the Please Touch Museum, 
where like everything's fun and interactable. Like I have a picture of myself there going out there with my dad after church, and it was like, oh yeah. And then of course, like oh yeah, there is um, an African American museum in uh, Philadelphia as well. It was it wasn't as robust when I left, but hopefully it's gotten more robust throughout the years. Um, definitely show you the struggles through slavery and civil rights, and who are the main movers and shakers. Then so if you're there, you should go uh, check that out as well uh but yeah no like philadelphia is a great place to go to museums and stuff so i would highly uh recommend it yeah yeah so museum a good way to share uh history and culture with the masses of not just cities there are rural areas that have uh good museums and then of course you have the worldwide ones you know the uh guggenheim the 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 louvre um, uh, I think there's the, um, museums in, uh, Florence and Venice. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting concept. It's, it's similar to kind of like the idea of being politically free is the idea to be able to share knowledge. Oh yeah. And the closer it is to free, kind of the better that is, the more approachable that is. Oh yeah, and the more accessible it is as well too. Right. And obviously similar to libraries themselves who have quote unquote free books, but have to have, you know, the lights on and all these things. You know, funding is important and that's why a lot of museums do have by donation oh yeah. and or a membership programs and things like that to kind of help keep their finances so they can keep the uh the the museum itself intact as well as the objects or or, or experiences that they're housing, uh, but yeah, just another thing that's out there in your world, you know. Since you you got to come in out of the lake and the river because float life is ending. We're in mid September. That's when that happens. You oh know? yeah, you got to get out of the water. You can dry off, get on a towel, put on some uh, pants instead of shorts, and go hang out in the museum. Uh, it's it's a little different than float life, but uh, it'll give you give you something back. And, yeah, before we send off, I just wanted to tell you all about the Muter Museum, or I, I think it, it looks like Mutter, but it has an umlaut over the um, the U, so it's probably uh, said a little bit differently than that. But, yeah, that's the medical museum I was talking about. Um, it's on the College of Physicians of Philadelphia's, uh, which I believe is a part of uh, Philadelphia Uni- or Pennsylvania University, or no, no, never mind, it's its own college. Anyway, uh, uh, so, yeah. Yeah, those are those are the museums. That's interesting. Yeah, I've seen uh museums that have like old medical stuff. Man, it's 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 interesting how very not that long ago it seemed pretty archaic the types oh, yeah. of stuff they had, you know. You know, all the way now to where like they're rolling in a PC to like do some stuff. And they're like, "I just got to load Windows real quick." <laughs> For sure. But yeah. Uh yeah man I mean do you have anything to send them off with to to let them know about in the in the future or things no, to look forward to I mean I wanted to like this uh a YouTube channel called Coffee Break actually had a really good video on uh profanity that apparently has been privatized now but I guess you can watch part 2 of it called New Bad Words You Can't Say cuz the other one had like it was uh, uh, has a principle about like what makes words bad and kind of like why you can't say those certain things. And I think it's a good um, addendum to our conversation about Dave Chappelle. And it, d- it mentions people like George Carlin and Chris Rock and, you know, how they push boundaries on profanity. So, you know. Yeah. yeah. All right. 
Well, with that, guys, uh, thank you for listening, as always, to our free little show here, How You Live, and we appreciate it. Uh, you can get a hold of us at H-Y-L-B-O-X at gmail.com. That's H-Y-L-B-O-X at gmail.com. It's a How You Live in email box. Uh, also, you can get a hold of me directly at C-Town Mayor on the Twitter sphere. Uh, it's because I am the local politician guy trying to help out your municipality along the coast. Chaz, how can they get at you? And, of course, for my value extraction portion of this podcast, um, of course, if you hear us on iTunes, give us five stars if you like it. Uh, you know, it builds out visibility. Uh, share it with your friends. Uh, we're on all the platforms now. If you're using an RSS feed, uh, you can find us on a Google um, podcast. You can find us on Spotify. So, yeah, get the word out. Uh, I'm not big on social media these days, but you can always follow me at uh, Chazbaz on Twitter and at Chazbaz on Instagram and Chazbaz on TikTok. So, yeah, uh, that's about it, though. And, yeah, on this afternoon of the kickoff of the NFL season for my Seahawks, go Hawks. Chaz, it's been fun. It's been fun indeed, Mikkel. We'll see you on the flip side, guys. Don't forget to be awesome. Peace. Later. Did all the favors, they never repay me. It worked in my favor, cause nobody said. Brand new whip, got no keys. Tell them my clothes, no stash, please. Soon as I nut, you can go leave. Got M's in the bank, like yes, indeed. Cardiac glasses, I won't even Pikachu. Yellow Ferrari, like Pikachu. I got on waiting and watching.